0: Good morning again. Let's uh, open our Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. I'll pray we'll get into it. Father, thank you for this um, beautiful day you've given us. Thank you for your word and we just pray you'll, you'll help me to only speak what is true and you'll open our hearts to be soft and to receive the instruction that you want to give us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, let's just read uh, the first 15 verses of um, Exodus chapter 3. We're going to, like the Israelites camped out at Mount Sinai for a year, we're going to camp out in uh, a burning bush this week and try and learn what we can or get something from this uh, great revelation that God gave to Moses when he revealed his name to Moses. So, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert, and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Now I feel a bit nervous talking about this because it feels like I'm on holy ground <laughs> talking about the name of God. So, first of all, the angel is Jesus himself. Okay? The angel is God. And skip down to verse eleven. Moses says, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Remember just briefly we did this, uh talked about this last week, but initially Moses was going, Yep, I'm the man, I'm do it all myself, I know exactly what to do, I've got all this education, I've got all this military preparation, I've got all this life experience of being a leader. I can do this and he as you know, he failed dismally. He had to run for his life after killing the Egyptian. Now, he says, instead of, here I am, or I'm your guy, now he says, who am I? The self-confidence is gone, and in its place is a brokenness, a depth, a richness, a humble dependence. He is contrite. Now, I looked up the definition of contrite, because we read this, and we know it means to be humble, but it means more than being humble. You ready? It's not a nice word, all right? It means to be broken, crushed, beaten to pieces, ground to dust, bruised or shattered. So I shared with you before that the only way to become humble is to be humiliated and to accept the sunshine that comes our way. And that same sunshine, the um, the trials and tribulations and persecutions and temptations, they can make us hard or they can make us soft. You've probably heard the phrase... The same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. yeah. So again, the sunshine represents, in the parable of the sower, the sunshine represents temptations, tribulations and persecutions. So temptations is when we're tempted to sin. Like Joseph, Potiphar's wife, she tempted him but he overcame that temptation. Tribulations is what we go through, the suffering like death in the family, car accidents, financial issues, all that kind of stuff. Persecution is when we... There's a suffering we go through when we share our faith. So it's the ridicule, it's the the laughter, it's the imprisonment, it's the loss of our home, it's the loss of our goods or money uh, when we stand up for the Lord. When we refuse, for example, to bake that cake for that homosexual couple, things like that. So firstly, we can be like the people who refused to believe and I'm going to take this from the from Revelation, chapter 16, verses 10 and 11. This is in the tribulation period. Uh, it says, Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and did not repent of their deeds. So the message here uh, is that the people chose to harden their hearts even more against God. They complained, they became bitter and angry towards God. So that's one way we can respond towards when when the sunshine comes, when the, the temptations, the tribulations and the persecution comes our way. We can give up, we can complain and get bitter. We can blame God for all these hard things that happen to us. The other way of responding to these things is by humbling ourselves and I'd like you to read look this one up it's Psalm 51 we're going to read the first 15 verses and I want you to notice David's contrition Okay, David's humility David humbles himself and throws himself on God's mercy he makes himself nothing and makes God the most important part of his life he submits to God and as you read through his prayer you will see that it's all about God and not about himself. It's all about humble dependency on God for everything that he needs, and his greatest desire is to bring honor to God's name. So let's have a read. It says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your lovingkindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Remember, we're comparing this to the people in the book of Revelation. Okay, the, When they in heart the hearts, David's heart is a heart of wax, their heart is a heart of clay. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned, and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak, and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and what does it say? A contrite heart, a heart that's been smashed, ground to pieces. These, O God, you will not despise. Now, the background to that passage is David has been suffering for about a year. He's been um, God has been disciplining him in a big way, and his response is to soften his heart. He is contrite. Another passage which helps us to understand contrition is Luke chapter eighteen verses nine to fourteen. So, if you look that up. This is a parable, and it's all about being self righteous or trusting in your own righteousness versus trusting in God's righteousness. So, Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14. Again, it's, a, it's an example where God is showing the two ways that we can respond. Luke chapter 18, verse 9. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. I love that. He prayed with himself. (laughs) He's not praying to God. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as his tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So when the sunshine comes, the temptations, tribulations, and persecution, we must allow ourselves to be broken, crushed, beaten to pieces, ground to dust, bruised, and shattered. We want our sinful nature to be done away with. And we want our spirit to become strong. Like King David, we want to focus on God's loving kindness and his mercy. He is our Abba Father. We need to trust that he knows what is best for us. So why am I spending so much time on this? Why is it so important? Well, let's look up Psalm 34, verses 18 and 19. The condition of our heart is so important because God, as we'll find out, God will not dwell with us if we have pride in our heart. Psalm thirty-four, eighteen and 19 The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Now just turn over a bit further to Isaiah chapter 57, Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15. So while you're looking there, just to do the opposite from what that verse said. The Lord is far from those who do not have a broken heart and does not save those who do not have a contrite spirit. Isaiah 57.15 For thus says the High and Lofty One who inhabits eternity, whose name is Holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with Him who has a contrite and humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. God breaks us so He can heal us. And when we heal, we're stronger we 're changed and to turn a couple more chapters Isaiah chapter sixty six verse two isaiah sixty six verse two says, "For all those things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord, but on this one I will look on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. So why is this important for us because we're going to read this um passage about God revealing himself to Moses. But if we want to have a relationship with God like Moses did, we have to have the right heart. We have to have a contrite and humble spirit. Pride is our worst enemy. As Hebrews says, our hearts can be so easily hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. If our heart is hard, then God is far from us. I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm just talking about practically, okay, emotionally. But if our heart is soft, broken and crushed and contrite, if we are willing to acknowledge our utter helplessness and sinfulness and our need for him, then our hearts will be close to his. We will experience a closeness to God that will cause others to say, I'll just read this. Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God and the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together. And they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made an ash heap because there is no other God who can deliver like this. So this is what God promises those who have a contrite spirit. Temptations, tribulations and persecutions will have no effect on our spirit. It's like a plane flying, you know. The law of aerodynamics overcomes the law of gravity. If we have a humble heart, we will overcome. Our faith, our hope, and our love will remain. We will go through the valley and come through stronger, and our love and dedication to the Lord will be clear to all. And most importantly, God is glorified. Now, God never said it would be easy. Yes, it's going to hurt. But would you rather be the one walking around in the fire, in the fiery furnace with the Lord, or be bowing down to the golden statue, listening to beautiful music, but feeling empty and dry inside. Okay, this is a story and Daniel of the three friends. And the king says to bow down when the music plays to this statue. And they said, no, we can't bow down to anyone but God. So are you willing to walk the narrow, difficult road that leads to life? Or will you compromise and take the easy road? Will you resist temptation? Will you yield? Will you accept the tribulations that come your way and remain content, still praising the Lord? Or will you complain and become bitter? Will you gladly accept the persecution that comes when we share our faith, stand up for what we believe? Or will you remain silent? Will your fear keep you silent? So again, why am I saying all this? Why is this so important? Because if we are not contrite, broken, humble, bruised, ground to dust, then we will never come to the place in our lives where Moses is now. For him, he's 80 years old, standing before the burning bush. We will never experience this kind of revelation of God to us personally. We can read about who God is. We can learn about who God is. But we will never experience who God is. We will remain spiritually poor. Outwardly, we may have everything and we may be happy. But inwardly, our spirit is dry and weak. So we're about to study one of the most important verses, in my opinion, in the entire Bible, where God further reveals his character to us in a big way. But it won't do you any good if your heart is hard your heart has to be soft so moses has been in his own furnace in the desert everything that was important to him has been stripped away his people his mission or purpose in life that was to deliver the israelites his authority his wealth his Israelite family his egyptian family um his future as an next pharaoh they're all gone but now he's learned to trust in the lord he's learned to be content in his circumstances being a part of one of the most lowly families in that country. And now he's experiencing a deeper revelation of who God is. And that's because God dwells with those whose hearts are contrite, broken, and humble. This is all part of our sanctification, that the breaking of us, okay? is the destruction of our sinful nature and the strengthening of our spirit. So I challenge you today to humble yourselves before God. Make the decision to make God the most important part of your life and Lord of your life. Jesus said in Luke 7.46, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? So set your affections on him, love him with all your heart, and you won't regret it. Now you might say to me, I already have. Well, I'm going to tell you that I believe there's always more to give. There's always more to surrender. Go deeper. Don't be satisfied with your relationship with God as it is now. God always is wanting to reveal more of himself to you. This life is not stagnant. If we're not walking forwards, we're walking backwards. You've got to fall deeper in love with the Lord. Pursue Him. Just like you pursue your husband or your wife or your friend in that relationship, pursue the Lord. Look for a deeper relationship with Him. So now we're going to look at verse 13 to 14. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So the word God is like a title, if you can think of it like that. Like uh, Mr. Prime Minister or Your Highness, it's a reverential title. Moses is not asking for God's title, he's asking for his name. Okay, So when you are close to someone, when you're more intimate with someone, you don't say, oh, mister, you actually call them by their first name. And that's what Moses is seeking. He's seeking a a more intimate relationship with God. So he wants the same from us. He wants us to ask God to reveal himself to us. As we're going through the trials, as you face your fears and share your faith with a friend, As God reveals his will for your life, ask God to reveal himself to you and you will find that he is all you need him to be for you at that time. He will never leave you wanting. So, at the age of 80, Moses is given this massive monumental task. What's he asked to do? Take the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he says, who am I? And God says, certainly I will be with you. In other words, the question isn't, who are you, but who's with you? And the answer is, I am. God is with us. Like Moses, we might say, who are we? Or who am I? And as God says to Moses, the Lord says to us, the issue isn't who you are, but who's with you? Now, about 1,500 years later, Jesus said to his disciples, go into the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus commissioned his disciples, and guess what? We're his disciples. Okay. The baton has been passed on, so to speak. Jesus has commissioned us as his disciples to set people free. Now, our response to this should be, who am I to do that? That's too hard. I can't do it. Just like Moses said. We are called to set people free. That we are Christ's ambassadors pleading with God, with them that they can be reconciled to God. Discipling them so that they can grow in their faith and love for God. And again, who are we to do this massive monumental task? And what did Jesus say to the disciples? Lo, I am with you even to the end of the world. So we have the same task that Moses did and we have the same help that Moses had. And I think that's really awesome. God is with us and that's all we need. Philippians 4:13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And there's other things that we need to be able to do which we can't do on our own. Some of those things are raising kids, being married, sharing our faith. That's just impossible without the strength of the Lord empowering us to do those things. It's you know, there's there's lots of things in life we can't do on our own. So, in the Bible especially in these times, the name represents a person's nature or character. So let's look at what this name means. And just before we do, Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, he said, I will do it. It's John 14, 14. So, dear Lord, please give me a brand new Ferrari. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay. So obviously, I'm not going to get a brand new Ferrari. right. So, His name is his character. If I pray according to God's character, to God's nature, if I ask for the same things that he would ask for, if I pray with the same attitude that he would pray with, with the same desire to see someone saved as he has, then guess what? My prayers will be answered. If you commit yourself to the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. It's not just a phrase in like in Jesus' name. It's not it's a phrase we take on to the end of our prayers. It's not over and out. It's praying in harmony with his heart and in his character, praying as he would if, if he were in our situation. So in asking God's name, Moses is basically saying, What is your nature? And God, for the first time, in here in Exodus 3, identifies his name as literally, I am that I am. Now this is the if I can pronounce this, tetragrammaton. It's the four letters, Y-H-W-H, okay? Yahweh or Jehovah. We don't know how to say it properly because it was so revered and the high priest was only mentioned it like once a year behind the veil that they lost the pronunciation. They took all the vowels out and only left with the consonants. So Moses is saying, I want to know your character. I've got this big job to do. You told me I'm going to deliver three million people from Pharaoh. He's got an army. He's got a country. He's got you know all these things. I can't do this on my own. And God says, I'll be with you, and I am everything that you need. And I am means, it doesn't mean I used to be. It doesn't mean I'm going to be, but I am presently immutable, unchangeable, The same yesterday, today, and forever, rock solid, I am. That's my name. I am whatever you need, whenever you need me. Now, let's jump forward to New Testament a bit. We'll come back to the Old Testament uh, references. 1,500 years later, Jesus would shed further light on God's name by declaring, I am the, the bread, the way, the truth, the life, light of the world, good shepherd, door, and vine. So Jesus took the name of God, kind of, and filled in the blank. Remember when Jesus was being arrested, and the soldiers were there? What did Jesus say? I am. He spoke his name, the name of God, and all the soldiers fell backwards. Okay, so this is a powerful name. Now, it doesn't mean I give. Okay, it means I am. So I'll give you show you the difference here. It doesn't mean that I give bread, I give deliverance, I give strength, I give healing. No, it's more than that. We think we need bread, healing, deliverance or companionship. Really, what we're craving is Jesus. It's not something he gives us, but who he will be for us. So as we go through life, God gives us all these monumental tasks that we can't do, just like Moses couldn't lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. We have sons and daughters to raise. We're supposed to be a good husband or a good wife. Share our faith, shining for the Lord in a dark workplace, Um, just physically or financially making it through the week ahead. Just remember that Jesus is your I am. He is the bread which satisfies and strengthens you. He is the way. It's through Jesus we have access to the Father and eternal life. He is the truth. The truth sets us free. Jesus sets us free from bondage to sin. He is the life. It is through Jesus that we receive abundant and eternal life. He is the good shepherd who laid down his life for you. Jesus will guide you and keep you wherever he leads you. He is the light of the world. With Jesus, we don't have to walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He is the door in Jesus with salvation. We must enter in just like Noah entered the ark and concealed them inside. He is the vine, and it's as we abide in Jesus that we can bear much fruit. Without him, we can do nothing. It is only when we bear much fruit that our joy will be full. So, here's some more. I'm going to give you one of these at the end, but for now, I'm just going to read from. It. If I give it to you, you'll be like reading this while I'm talking. Teacher experience. So, here's a couple. I won't read all of them. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner. And then there's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Shaboth, the Lord of armies or the Lord of hosts. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there, the Lord is my companion. Jehovah Tiskenu, the Lord our righteousness. And then you've got I am, the one who is the self-existent one. He never changes, his promises never fail. When we are faithless, he is faithful, we need to obey him. I just want to focus on one, like, for an example, Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is like Banner. The background to this revelation of God's character is when the Amalekites were fighting the Israelites. They came along and they snuck up behind them and they basically killed a few of them and like a raid, okay, like guerrilla tactics. And then God said to Moses, I want you to fight the Amalekites. And so Moses said, okay. And then he was up on top of the hill with his staff in the air. And any time the staff went down, they were losing. And any time the staff went up, they were winning. So the Lord... They're demonstrated that he is the banner he is our victory okay now what does the amalekites represent it's the flesh god said you will have perpetual warfare with them until the end so the amalekites represent the flesh jesus is our victory over sin the flesh the world and the devil So He is our victory. He doesn't give us a victory. He is our victory as we come to Him. That's just one that we can look into. And I'm going to leave this with you so you can do that yourself. If you're feeling lonely, there's Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. The Lord is my companion. God's presence is not limited or contained to the tabernacle or temple, but He's with us. He's with everyone who loves Him and is seeking Him. So again, the issue today isn't loneliness or cancer, finances or relationships. The issue is a revelation of the nature and presence of God the Father. He will be all you need and he'll make himself known to you personally. All you have to do as what Jesus says, to keep on asking, seeking and knocking with a contrite and humble heart. Don't give up. Now I just want to explain quickly the difference between intellectually knowing about this and then experiencing it. So, for example, a Christian may be in bondage to sin, falling again and again. It could be lust, drugs, alcohol, pornography, video games, violence, stealing, gossiping, or unforgiveness. Now, they know from the Bible, from going to church, from reading the Bible themselves, whatever, that Jesus is the truth and that he sets them free from bondage. Jesus said that. It's a promise. But they haven't experienced Jesus as the truth because if they had, they would be free. Make sense? So. When they humble themselves and submit themselves to God's will, trusting in Him, overcoming the sin, only then will they have truly experienced Jesus as the truth who sets them free. Again, the Old Testament version of Jesus is the truth who sets you free is Jehovah Nissi, the banner, the victory, freedom over the world, the flesh, and the devil. So if you're still in bondage to sin, then similarly you haven't experienced God as Jehovah Nissi. God is waiting for that time when your heart is contrite and humble and you will seek him as the truth or jehovah nisi what about the christian who is worldly and caught up with the things of the world like family career finances chasing money all things like that on the inside they are hungry and thirsty they're unfulfilled but when they humble themselves and submit themselves to god's will trusting in him only then will they have truly experienced jesus as the bread of life Whoever eats this bread will never hunger. What about someone who's going through trials? It could be death in the family or financial hardship or anything like that. If they haven't submitted to God's will and learned contentment in those situations, if they are still worrying and stressed out, then they have never experienced God as Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. So these are all precious promises. There's no doubt about that. But have you put them to the test? God gives us the sunshine, the temptations, tribulations and persecutions so we can experience him in these ways personally and intimately. Those who experience God in these ways through their afflictions all say, I wouldn't have it any other way. God is longing to reveal more and more of himself to us. But generally this only happens through hard times. So if you pray to know God more, then don't be surprised if the sun starts shining and life gets hard. (laughs) This is your opportunity to grow closer to God, to experience Him in ways you have never have before. Don't fight it. Submit to God and trust Him. He won't let you down. So I just want to, as a comparison, so you, might help you get this, as you're getting to know someone, you know, you're know, you talking to them and and suddenly they say, oh, I'm going to music practice. And you say, oh, do you play music? I didn't know you're a musician. I didn't know you were gifted in music and then you're talking again and they start grab a pencil and start drawing something, oh wow, you're an artist too. And you're discovering all these things and as you, when you get married to someone you discover lots of things about people. And your kids, you discover lots of things about them as they grow up too. And in the same way, God wants us to discover Him. But we need to also prepare for the hard times. Don't wait for the hard times because if we don't prepare for them, they're going to be a lot harder to get through. Now, when I'm playing basketball, We were playing two-on-two the other day, and one of the older staff members, he comes, oh, yeah, oh, oh, he was really keen, I'll join in, I'll join in. Ten minutes into it, it's like, oh, can we have a break? He just wasn't prepared. He wasn't fit. He was keen, but he wasn't fit. Okay, so how do we prepare ourselves for the battles? How do we prepare ourselves to be strong in the trials? Well, get into the Word daily. Pray daily. Fellowship regularly. And that will strengthen you. You are feeding your spirit to become strong. And then you can endure, you can go the distance without giving up when the times get tough. And I'd like to finish with a personal story. Uh, I struggled with lust all my teenage years and I just could not overcome it. Um, I knew it was wrong. I didn't want to do it. I hated it. I hated who I was and what I was doing. And I was going to church and people on the outside would look at me as a, a good Christian boy and all that kind of stuff. And um uh, But on the inside, I had this issue, all right? But from the age of 17 to 21, there was a time of loneliness. It was like a desert experience for me. God was doing a work in me. It doesn't have to be a a physical experience, like a change of circumstances. There was a change going on in my heart. A work had begun. God was breaking me. He was breaking my prideful and hard heart. Now, I remember distinctly two times Even today, when I was in tears, broken before God, submitted to God. I was crying out to God to know Him more, for Him to reveal Himself to me. Now, I didn't know the names of God back then. I wasn't saying, oh Lord, I need to know you as Jehovah Nissi. But I wanted to know God, and God revealed Himself to me as Jehovah Nissi. I now look back and I realize that this was the one of the periods of my life when I was being smashed, bruised, ground to dust, beaten to pieces, shattered, humbled and broken. It was not a pleasant experience. But the result is, as I just said, I experienced God in a practical way as Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner, my freedom and victory over the flesh, the world, and the devil. What a change. My lustful desires were exchanged for a desire to know God more, to be in the Word. It wasn't boring anymore. I actually started reading it through, and I've been doing that ever since. And my morning devotions became the most important and joyous part of my day instead of something I had to push myself to do every now and again. The Bible came alive to me and the feelings of remorse, discouragement and disappointment and frustration were replaced with joy. Sometimes God will change your circumstances to put you through these things. But as I said last week and in my personal experience, in this experience, my circumstances didn't change. But God started doing a work inside. And there was other things going on too. I had to there was unforgiveness I had to deal with, and, and lots of stuff. God wants us to know Him in a more personal way, and I just repeat: you might say, "Well, I've already humbled myself; I already love the Lord." But Paul said in Ephesians that he prayed for us that we may know the height, the length, the depth, and the width of the love of Christ. So we want to have—we should have a desire to fall more in love with Jesus. Father, I thank you. That Lord, you are just limitless. Lord, you are the Almighty God. Lord, you are everything that we need you to be. And Lord, we're all going to experience you in different ways. We're going to. Some people, it's going to be that comforter, that companionship in, in times of loneliness. Some people, it's going to be victory over sin. Some people, it's going to be uh, whatever they need you to be at that particular time, Lord. And uh, you're everything to everyone. And uh, I just pray that you'll just give us that desire to realize that you're, like Ezekiel said, we can be in the river up to our ankles, or we can be in the river up to our knees, or we can be in the river up to our waist, or we can be in the river and it's over our head, and we can completely immersed. And uh, I just pray that we can completely immersed in your love, that we can let go, we can let go of the fear and we can just hold on to you, and you will just uh, reveal more of yourself to us as we humble ourselves before you. In Jesus' name, amen.